than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Look out, Captain. A nuclear missile, guided by a blind man in a wheelchair. We're going to die. Relax. It's just the typical confusion podcast hosted by Jim Holiday. Oh my god, he's so sexy and cute. Come to me, Jimmy. Anchor, the best way to make your podcast. Anchor has the ability for you to include guests in your show. Your followers on the podcast can leave you voicemail messages. And you can include them in your show. You can also monetize your podcast with advertising. One of the many features that Anchor offers. And the accounts are free. Most of the other podcast providers want you to pay for all of their services. Anchor does not. Check them out today by going to http colon slash slash anchor.fm and signing up for a free account. Good morning, everybody. It is Dallas week. And the Philadelphia Eagles play Sunday night football against the Dallas stinking Cowboys. And Jerry Jones made himself look like a total buffoon. But what else is new? I was listening to Rob Ellis early this morning. And he played audio with Jerry Jones going off on the Dallas sports hosts. And then he apologizes later. And then they asked him like tough questions like, does your team have a leadership problem? And he just ducked the question. The guy sounds like he's getting senile. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Telling you. There's there's nothing better than a Dallas Cowboys Philadelphia Eagles game because Dallas sucks and I'm just telling you I hope we beat their tails they're worse than we are that is saying something I mean they're pretty banged up as far as the offensive line their defensive line I know they're banged up in a lot of areas but so are we we got a lot of no names on our team because a lot of the regulars are out. But we did find some new players like Jack Driscoll and other folks. But it's going to be a hell of a game. I think it's going to be a classic. Jake Elliott hasn't been so reliable this year as far as his kicks are concerned. Kicking a field goal. And uh, who's having a great year is Brandon Graham. He's 10 years in the league, and boy, is he playing well. So take it for what it's worth. I can't wait for Dallas and Eagles Sunday night football. That's going to be friggin' awesome. Coming up, my interview with Steve Trevelisse. That's next. Hey, what's going on? How are you, pal? I'm good. How about you? I'm hanging in there. Uh, let's get started here. This is the Typical Confusion Podcast. This is uh, our guest today is Steve Trevelisse. Thank you, Steve, for coming on. My uh, pleasure, pal. 
what I want to hear is basically your story, where you got started, how you got started in radio, and leading up to also regarding uh, you know how you met Bill Hicks, all that all that stuff, your everything. All right, let's see. It all began at a five thousand watt radio station in Fresno, California. No, no, I'm sorry, that was Ted Baxter, my mistake. Uh, I just decided I wanted to get into radio when I was in high school. But I knew when I was in high school, when I was 17, that right. I actually wanted to get into radio. And I uh, figured that what I would do is focus everything on that. Uh, right. uh, there was a high school, I went to St. Joe's High School in the Palisades up in uh, West New York. And they were right. offering a sports lit class. Which the right. idea that, my God, I could take a class on sports, you know, what I was living in, that 24 hours a day, being a giant Nick Ranger and Yankee fan, right. uh, ace the class. And imagine if I knew then in 1972, whatever, that you could actually uh, get paid to talk about sports on the radio. I'd have been you realize I was in diapers in 72. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I wasn't really thinking about that at the time, Jim. But yeah. if you want to bring that up, okay. Uh, I was so, a small boy. Oh, okay. And if I thought that one day I could talk sports to little Jimmy in his diapers, I thought that would be a big deal. <laughs> <clears throat> but who knows? They weren't doing that back then. Right. So uh, I, went to co- I went to college for about three days, uh, realized I hated it. Uh, right. But in between, I got out of high school and I didn't want to waste my time, you know, going for four years and paying a lot of money for a whole lot of classes that I really didn't care about when I right. could actually go to a broadcasting school, which was at right. the time announced at training studios in New York uh, right. and uh, may, uh, just get 222 hours, Monday through right. Thursday, three hours a day of nothing but radio. Got right. my FCC endorsed license, failed the first time, went back and got it. Uh, and then my first job was at WRLB in Long Branch, which was the first stereo station ever. And wow. from there, I ended up uh, going to another station called WHLW. For three years, I uh, right. tried to get into WPST, which at the time was like the radio station to be on. Uh, right. um, they owned the world. And for three years, I kept applying and applying and applying. Uh, and I'm also uh, born again Christian, and I had taken his Bible class. And the Bible class, I go in for the first night, and the guy says, uh, "Just think of something that you've always wanted, uh, whatever it is." And before we even start this class, just put, close your eyes, ask God for it. All right. So I'm thinking, what's the most outlandish thing that's ever going to happen to me? And at the time, I had a mobile DJ business I had set up. I was making a lot of money doing parties. But I'm thinking, getting into PST, this would be the ultimate. You can do this for me. I'm in. So a week later, I go and I find out that my radio station is about to go basically automated. And on a Thursday afternoon, I pick up the phone. I call Tom Taylor at WPST, figuring that, you know, what I got to at least I got to at least see if this is real. And he says, you know, it's amazing that you call right now because Phil Simon just handed me his resignation. Can you come in tomorrow and uh, let's talk? So I went in on a Friday. He gave me the Saturday overnights. I started doing the Saturday overnights, which led to the overnight shift, which had me on the air the night John Lennon died. And then right. from um, there, 
I go to uh, right to the morning show, do the morning show on PST for two years. Um, I was on one day and I got a call from the music director, WYSP, a guy named Steve Feinstein saying that he listens and uh, Xfinity or not Xfinity, Infinity just bought the company. And would I be interested in working in Philadelphia? I had no idea who he was. I didn't believe him. So it uh, turns out that Dave Heffel knew him and it was real. So I go down there at the same time I was buying a radio station in Daytona Beach, Florida with the money that I had with the DJ company and the, um, you know, my partner as four, four, four or five other partners. So I'm getting ready to fly down to Daytona to make the deal. And uh, instead I go for an interview and I get hired by YSP to do weekends and fill in. And basically they had brought in so many people and they'd given them all these lucrative contracts with a lot of vacation time. So I go in, they gave me the Saturday, a Saturday shift and a Sunday shift in the afternoon. Plus I was doing all the filling. So I never, I was never off the air. I was working seven days a week because like, you know, the morning guy would get three weeks vacation. The midday guy would get three weeks vacation. So it was constantly like, okay, next week you're going to fill in there. Next week, I, I was doing every day part. Um, come 85, the station uh, changes its format. They go heavy metal and new program director comes in and he basically says, listen, um, we're going to put this other guy in your shift. And the only thing I can offer you is Saturday nights, um, six to 10. And I'm like, well, problem with that is I have a DJ business and I can't really do it, but I'm thinking I have to do it. So I took the hit and I'm figuring at that point, you know what? I don't care who you got on. I'm going to beat him. Go ahead. Put on whatever you want inside of like three months. The other guy was gone. I was back on doing what I was doing. Uh, right. Like, yeah, go ahead. Nice. Go ahead, put him on. I don't care. So uh, anyway, uh, at that point, they bring in Howard Stern. And right. the negotiation was going on forever. At the time, I was going through a separation, which led to a divorce. And I get called in. Basically, there was a, a Labor Day massacre Uh I mean, the first day the program director comes in, we had a meeting with the general manager earlier after they fired right. the program director saying, hey, man, don't worry. You got the greatest dance staff ever. We're going to be behind you. We got your back. Blah, blah, blah. He says, listen, I'm going to bring in a program director. I have him. mind. He's young. And maybe you guys could take him under your wing, work with him a little bit, you know, bring him up to speed kind of. Oh, yeah, don't worry. We got this. Well, the program director walks in and the first words out of his mouth, you guys need to be sending out tapes because I intend to make changes. And we're like, row. So when all was said and done, uh, we had the Labor Day massacre. They, with the last thing we did together was Live Aid. And we knew it was going to be the last thing we would do together. And it was an incredible day for that air staff. But uh, a couple weeks later, they fire everyone except for four of us. Myself, Rick Allen, Debbie Calton, Randy Cotts. And I get brought in and he says, listen, um, I can't do this now, but I do want to make you full time. If you trust me, stay with me. I don't want you to go anywhere. You know, stay here. And, uh, you know, I will I will help you. You know, I would just stay with me for a year. I'll help you. My response to that was get me the hell out of here. Can you call New York? Can you get me on K-Rock? Can you do anything? He goes, all right, I'll call. And then he's like, listen, I really don't want you to go. So, all right. So I stayed and then K-Rock didn't have anything. So, you know what? I'll stay. Uh, so I stayed 
and you know for the year and then the following year this the station just basically didn't the format didn't do well and they decide they're going to go they bring in howard stern classic rock howard stern all morning classic rock all day and it was the beginning of the classic rock format which is now one of the top rated philly formats and formats across the country classic rock is booming right now with you know with the covid and everything so um then they bring me in and he says, uh, I want you to um, be the news director and I want you to work on, you know, you're going to do updates on a Howard Stern show. We're going to make you the news director. You get an office. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, and, and you're going to get this. I'm like, that? Okay. I'm in. Uh, I didn't want to do it at first. And I met with the general manager. He says, look, I'm not going to do this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home this weekend. This is what we're offering. Now go back and tell me what you want for the job. All right. So now I'm like, I'm upset. I wanted to do the afternoon shift. They basically coming back with this. And the program, the production, the, I'm sorry, the promotions director's like, dude, are you in your mind? It's the Stern Show. It's national. You have to do this. It's going to be great for your career. It's a, you still you don't want to do it. So all right, all right, all right. So I go back with a figure. That was much lower than what they had. He goes, I'm not even going to ask what you've got. This is what we're offering. And I'm looking at the number and it's like, I don't know, 10,000 more. And I'm like, well, it's not exactly what I had in mind. <laughs> right. I ended up taking it. So uh, I did YSP for 15 years uh, total. And then I left there and I went to uh, Shadow Traffic. And I was the program director there with 36 radio stations dealing with the program directors, 25 announcers, traffic and update people. And I was in charge of all of them. And during that time, we would ace the air awards, achievement in radio awards. We would come home with like 10, 12 air achievement in broadcasting awards just from working with people. I told everybody the first day, um, I, I said, look, whatever you want to do, I, tell me what that is. I will put you in position to succeed. What you do is on you. And to this day, I think there's like seven or eight people who are now working full time in Philadelphia, you know, who got their start, you know, through, you know, through that time. Bob Kelly from Channel 3, you know, best traffic reporter ever. Uh, What a hard, what an incredibly hard worker. Uh, You know, Bob, Bob, Bob was one of the greatest human beings as well as traffic reporter. You know, he was there. uh, Michelle Durham from KYW. God, I can't tell you. I, I can go on. Uh, Nancy Trevino, uh, yeah. who ends up going to NBC and doing News 4. Uh, so after that, uh, I go, I was, I joined the, I was on WXTU doing mornings. And then the contract ran out. Because basically when you're the traffic guy, you become the, con- it's a contracted kind of deal. They're vendors. Traffic, traffic, those traffic reports you hear are being sold to the radio station in exchange for the spot at the end of it by the traffic company. So when the right. contract expires, you end up going to another radio station. So I went to a station yeah. called Alice 104.5 and with Kurt Johnson as the program director, Glenn Kalina, Max Morgan, Ed the Phone Guy, Kerry Hartman, and myself. And we end up going to number three with behind only Howard Stern and KYW. And they sell the company to Clear Channel I end up making a deal where I could work from home, which in 2001 was pretty good. Uh, nobody was right. doing it. So I was working from home. And one day, I guess they went in and they said, uh, you know, because they, by that time, all the people I talked to were out of the picture. The morning show was gone. 
Kurt was gone. His guy was, everybody was gone. New guy comes in and basically it's like, who's this guy? Why is he working from home? And why is he making all this money? <laughs> so basically it was like, all right, we got, we got a guy who's willing to come in twice a day for like half your salary. You want to do it? No. So, <laughs> so I go on unemployment and for about six months and at that time i was also i started doing stand-up comedy in 2000 uh the reason i started doing that was because in 1986 when howard first came to ysp andy bloom our pd decided we needed to have a presence in the comedy community which was booming at the time so they put up a sign-up sheet and i ended up hosting the shows at the comedy works was where i met bill hicks and right. the night I met Bill Hicks, I was exhausted. I mean, he was exhausted. Rather, I go in and I go in the comic room. He's got 104 fever. He's laying on the couch in a pool of sweat. And he gets off stage. And we were going to cancel the show. He's like, no, nah, I'm going on. So the place is packed. And it was a really, it was the top of the Middle East restaurant and second in Chestnut. And there was like a, the comic room was kind of upstairs, like in a balcony. We would walk down these creaky wooden steps to get to where the crowd was and get him to the stage. So we're walking down the stairs. He's, I'm in front. He's behind me. The manager, Kevin, is behind him. And we're kind of, you know, walking him down so he doesn't, like, fall there because he's really, 104 feet, he's really sick. And I turn, I look at him like, you sure you want to do this? He looks at the stage. All right. I go up there. I bring him on. I don't know what the hell happened, Jim, but he just got, like, in this burst of energy. He does 52 high energy, incredible minutes. I was mesmerized. The only tape we saved, Lane Massey, the engineer, you know, we would record all the comics. And the idea was we would do at one o'clock in the morning, we would play 94 YSP live at the Comedy Works and we would play one of the sets. And Hicks was the only tape that we saved. And it was incredible. Uh, and I was, I was so moved by this, by what he had to say, by who he was, by how he was. And I, I got to learn about this guy. And now he's the patron saint of my WIP show. I open every show with Bill Hicks' words. And he was, it's funny, he was on stage and he's making fun of me. And he's like, I don't know why I keep making fun of you. <laughs> I, I got every drug reference. I don't know my drug references are going to you. But, uh, but the idea of what it meant, I later found out that, you know, he had pancreatic cancer, wasn't telling anybody. And he was so determined to prove that the, the set he did on the David Letterman show, which Letterman pulled, was totally arable and totally funny, that he took it on the road. He would get chemo all day long, and he would come and do the right. set at night. And he was wiped out. And uh, I had Rich Scheidner on, who was also a very funny comedian, was on Married with Children. And he and Debbie Calton co-hosted it when Howard filled in, when Howard took a vacation. And he wrote a book, and I had him on IP, and I told him that story. And I was like, you know, almost moved to tears. And he's like, yeah, you know why he did it? And I'm like, yeah, because it was an incredible gutsy comic because he knew what it meant to be a comedian because he just got to do it. No, because he wanted to get paid. He knew if he didn't get on stage, he wasn't going to get a dime. And I'm like, yeah, that's comedy. That makes sense. So so it was there that, you know, that I, I met Hicks. But we back to the comedian thing. We had Miss Pennsylvania come in, Melissa Jaca. And... We, the Goofy Morning Show, what are we going to do? Let's do a bathing, let's do a, you know, a beauty competition and let her be the judge. So for my talent part, I did two minutes of stand-up comedy. 
After which the program director says, you know, it's pretty good. What about if we did that every week, like every Friday morning? We'll make it a weekly feature. We'll call it the comedy stylings of Steve Trevelyan's and uh, we'll sell it. And uh, you could, uh, you know, you could have fun with it. All right. So then the consultant, a guy named Dennis Clark, who consulted Elvis Duran, and Rick, it was Rick D's producer. And he says, you know, it'd be great if you could take that into the clubs. So, all right. So now I go to the comedy clubs. I go to Andy Scarpati at the Comedy Cabaret. And he, you know, puts me on every Friday night. And we would do, you know, and I would mention him on the radio. So then Alice goes away. And 2003, Andy goes away. So now, and I'm still doing comedy. Uh, I buy a coffee house in Seattle City and convert it into a comedy club called Coffee.Comedy. And at the same time, I put myself out as a comedian. In 2004, I went into Catch a Rising Star in Princeton, who is now being booked by the guy who booked the Comedy Works. And he offers me the job as house MC which was a steady comedy gig every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And on top of that, it became uh, a general manager because he left and I ended up replacing him. So it turned out to be a pretty good gig. And then like six months later, I go to WIP and I start doing updates Wednesdays and Thursdays. And I was doing the overnight show on Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, because I filled in at 101.5, New Jersey 101.5, in uh, 2001. I loved it. I wanted to do it so badly. And the program director, Eric Johnson, says, you're not ready yet. And Eric's one of my best friends. You're not ready yet. So I had to go learn talk radio. So most people, they go to Jersey to get to Philly. I went to Philly to learn how to do talk radio so I could get back to Jersey. So, yeah. So in 2010, I finally make it. So since then, I've been on doing nights on New Jersey 101.5. I still do WIP on Friday nights from 2 to 5. And I do stand-up comedy in between, having uh, a wife and uh, 14-year-old boys, twins. And, of course, you tell the story about them. I mean, that was an amazing story. And they, uh, you, you were doing an update when they were born. <laughs> You were doing, yeah, updates, I was doing right? updates and I got a call from my wife that she was going to the hospital, that there was a problem. And OK. And I told the secretary and my wife said, oh, she's in the hospital. And she's like, get out of here. Go right now. She's having the baby. So I'm like, no, she's not. Get out of here. And tell the program, the, the APD, Jason Martinez, he is what's going on. So you got to go. Go now. So Jason filled in doing the updates. I go back to uh, the hospital and it turns out they had the she had the babies that night. And I'm sitting like mesmerized. I'm now the father of twins. I held my sons into the living room. I walk out. Who do I call? I don't even know who to call. I end up calling Glenn Macnow on WIP. <laughs> and he was, he was on, was the, on air. the air. Like, he was on the air. Uh, but it was an incredible night. And then we found out later that my wife had uh, breast cancer. And we never would have known had she not had the baby. So they basically saved their life. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, what an amazing story. All right, we're going to wrap this up. And uh, thank you for coming on. I appreciate this. This is so awesome. And uh, thanks again for coming on. You got it, Jimmy. Thank you. If you like the show, please consider a small financial donation. You can find the donation button in your podcast app. Thank you for your support. 
What's your name? Hello and welcome to another edition of the Typical Confusion Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Holiday. Don't forget you can contact us by email at typical.confusion at comcast.net or call us on the Google Voice hotline at 609-491-3068. Or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash typical confusion podcast radio or on Twitter at TCPC Radio. More coming up next. Stay with us. Well, there's a big Eagles game tonight at 8.20 or so, and it's Dallas week. And then the Eagles have a bye before playing the Giants the following week after the bye. Dallas is in shambles. They have their third-string quarterback. They basically suck. They're worse than us. And they, we should beat them. And if we don't, then there's something seriously wrong. The offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, everybody's like not on the same page in Dallas. The Eagles seem to be on an uptrend. Let's hope they can keep it that way. I think we're a lot better than Dallas. We get some of our players back. I think there's like five players that we're getting back, including Dallas Goddard. He's one of them. And Lane Johnson is going to play despite being injured. So we'll just have to see how it goes. I'll be on after tonight's Eagles game. As promised, I am back here on WICS Radio after an Eagles victory. 23-9 over the Dallas Cowboys. And they held the Cowboys to 9 points, which was great. But they still had a lot of things they needed to clean up. Maybe they can get it done during the bye week. They'll get some players back after the bye week, too. So it will hopefully be better. Today was better. I listened to recaps of it. And the Eagles shot themselves in the foot with some misplays and fumbles and a lot of things. Hopefully they can get it cleaned up. They got Jalen Rager back, and he had a catch and a touchdown. And hopefully we'll get Deshaun back after the bye. And Alshon Jeffrey. Travis Fogum had another game. Good game. This kid is the real deal. On to Philadelphia Phillies news. The Philadelphia Phillies have extended a $18 million qualifying offer to JT Realmuto. He has 10 days to accept or decline the offer. 